everybody. Uh, I'd like to start by welcoming you, welcoming you all to tonight's Bearcat chat on sports nutrition with our guest speaker, Katie Casey. Katie has a bachelor's degree in dietetics and a master's in sports nutrition and exercise physiology. She holds a ton of different certifications, including being a licensed dietitian nutritionist, a certified sports nutritionist, a licensed health coach, and a personal trainer. Professionally, she has worked in a variety of fields pertaining to nutrition and wellness. She's done research in metabolic testing and exercise, worked with pre and post-op patients on their nutritional needs, and has worked in community nutrition. More recently, she has worked with professional MMA fighters and is now working in corporate wellness doing nutrition and exercise counseling. Katie is extremely passionate about health and wellness and carries that into her personal life as an avid marathon runner and kickboxer. She has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to sports nutrition, and I am excited to see what she has for us tonight. Uh, with that, I'll turn it over to you, Katie. Thank you so much, Whitney, for that great intro. Hi, everyone, and thank you for having me today. Uh, welcome to this webinar on nutrition for exercise and sport. I'm so excited to be here. If any of you have questions during the presentation, uh, please feel free to drop them in the chat box. I'll do my best to answer them as I can, um, and hopefully at the end, we can address um, any of the ones I haven't been able to get to. So let's get started. So on today's agenda, we will go over, um, you know, an overview of nutrition and the macros, uh, pre and post competition nutrition, and common nutritional challenges that many athletes face. So uh, why talk about sports nutrition? Because eating the right nutrients before and after your competition helps your body perform better during your sport, uh, decreases muscle protein breakdown, uh, increases muscle protein synthesis, which is growth, helps us restore glycogen stores, which is our carbohydrate storage, and enhance recovery. The macronutrients. So these are carbohydrates, fat, and protein. Uh, we require them in pretty large amounts uh, for normal daily regular function. They provide nutrients and calories, which means they are energy yielding for normal uh, cellular repair and growth. Uh, the micronutrients are, are like vitamins and minerals, which we require in shorter uh, or smaller amounts. Uh, and for the macronutrients, protein and carbohydrate provide four calories per gram, uh, fat provides nine. We'll go over what we should know about the macronutrients and why a balanced intake of these vital nutrients are necessary for optimal health and sports performance. Carbohydrates. So these are the body's preferred fuel source during any activity. Uh, it's majority, uh, for majority athletes, it's their most important fuel source. Um, carbohydrates come in different forms, starch, uh, sugar, and cellulose. So starches would be things like um, bread, cereals, noodles, pasta, rice. Sugar would be um, anything from, you know, added sugars and sweets, cakes, sodas, um, also natural sugar, like in fruit. And cellulose is another way to say fiber. So out of all these carbohydrates, obviously some of them are much more nutrient dense than others. Um, and carbohydrates should provide about 60 to 70% of your daily intake. 
So carbohydrates function. Uh, carbohydrates are converted into glucose, um, which gives us energy, um, or we store it in our liver and muscle tissues known as glycogen. Again, carbohydrate storage. So this gives us the energy and power for higher intensity, uh, shorter duration activities. Depending on the exercise, this could be uh, creatine first, but most exercises or sports, um, uh, carbohydrate would be the number one or preferred fuel source. If your body runs out of carbohydrate fuel during exercise, it will burn fat and protein for energy. And this can cause uh, performance levels to drop a bit. This is a normal response. It's, it's not a bad thing, it's completely normal. Not necessarily something that we want to happen though. Um, this is a process called gluconeogenesis, but you don't necessarily want that to happen during your activity. <laughs> um, and this could happen if you start exercising without enough glycogen, or if you exercise too intensely for a long period of time, such as you know maybe over one hour, or if you are exercising for multiple hours without replenishing uh, carbohydrate during your exercise or activity. Um, such as like Gatorades or those gels or goos or, or something like that. So um, here are some tips to maintain uh, our fuel source for carbohydrate. We want to start our exercise um, or competition with glycogen loaded muscles by eating enough carbohydrate for at least several days before the event, somewhere in between maybe uh, three to seven on average days before. Um, and to replenish um, energy and delay fatigue, we want to eat additional carbohydrate during the event. Again, like Gatorade, um, you know, goos and gels, maybe a small piece of fruit, things like that. Protein. So protein gives your body the power to build new tissues and fluid, among other functions. Um, the amount of protein you need depends in part on your fitness um, and your exercise the type, the duration, and the intensity. In general, protein should provide about uh, at least 15 to 20% of your daily calories. So this can come from all different sources. All of them count, um, animal, plant-based, dairy-based. Um, so meat, beans, legumes, lentils, poultry, eggs, um, and dairy products all would count as a, as a protein source. Proteins function. So physically active people need more um, than those who do not exercise. Endurance athletes often burn protein for fuel as do bodybuilders and other athletes who perform intense strength building activities. Your body burns more protein if you um, do not consume enough calories to maintain your weight. It can also happen if you eat too little or exercise uh, too much. Uh, your body may use protein for energy if you exercise with low levels of muscle glycogen or if you do repeated or, or multiple training sessions without eating more carbohydrate. But when you start with enough muscle glycogen, protein uh, supplies about maybe 5% of your energy. Otherwise, if it's not enough, it could be upwards of, of maybe 10%. Fats. So we need fat for critical function. Um, our body cannot, um, you know, make its own dietary fat. And vitamins A, D, E, and K are fat soluble. So if we don't have enough dietary fat, uh, we actually cannot digest and absorb um, these nutrients. Um, also fatty acids, really important to get from the diet. 
Um, the biggest uh, number one fat to stay away from is trans fats because those are genetically modified. So fats function. Uh, about 20 to 30% of your daily calories should come from fat, but fat can act as an alternative energy source to glucose. So it actually could be um, a primary energy source if it's a low intensity activity um, or if uh, your glycogen store is completely deplete. So depending on your goals, this might be a preferred fuel source, not typically for, for sports. Um, this process of using fat as a primary fuel source is called beta oxidation. It's actually a very sustainable uh, fuel source compared to carbohydrate because it lasts much, much longer. So any you know, slower pace, longer duration activities, this could be um, a good fuel source. Hydration, probably the most important nutrient um, during a sporting event. So water comprises about 60% of body weight and is essential for almost every bodily function. We cannot make uh, or store uh, water, so we must replace it um, with the sweat that we're losing. And we wanna drink at least two quarts, so that's about 64 ounces of water a day, but athletes certainly need more. Uh, drinking cool water is the best way to really stay hydrated during a workout. Um, sports drinks are really helpful. If you are exercising uh, very intensely or moderately intense for one hour or more, <clears throat> you absolutely want to hydrate with an electrolyte beverage. So again, maybe like a Gatorade or a tablet or something to dissolve in your water. Um, you can also take that in like pill form. Um, coconut water is another great natural um, electrolyte you can have. Certainly, if it's more than one hour, you want to consider um, having an electrolyte as well. Um, but be sure to drink, even if you're not thirsty. You will not start uh, to feel thirsty until you've already lost about 2% of your body weight. And that is enough to hurt performance. So really, really get in the habit of, of drinking. So here are some hydration tips. Uh, drink small amounts of water frequently rather than a large amount at once. Drink cool beverages to lower your core body temperature and reduce sweating. Uh, it's helpful to actually track your sweat loss by weighing yourself, um, like before and after a competition or your workout. Because for every pound lost through sweat, we want to really try to focus on between 16 to 24 ounces of water. Um, and your body should be back to normal after your next workout. A large volume of clear urine is a sign that you're well hydrated. Um, anything dark, um, especially if it's like brown in color could, could indicate um, you're dehydrated, but if it's very, very dark, um, it could be a serious problem and you'd wanna contact your doctor immediately. And this can happen when we are really, really dehydrated. Um, you know, if you are not already in a habit, do pay attention to the color of your urine. <laughs> so event day, uh, some pre-competition nutrition. So what we eat several days before an event directly affects our performance. And the food you eat the day of it can, can ward off hunger, uh, regulate your blood sugar, and aid in hydration. 
So replenishing fluids lost during your sport should be your primary concern. But listed here are some guidelines you'd wanna follow for pre-competition nutrition. Limit uh, protein and choose leaner sources. Uh, eat a meal higher in carbohydrates. Eat solid foods about three to four hours before the event and drink liquids two to three hours before the event. You wanna choose easily digestible foods. We'll go over this a bit more later on and definitely avoid high sugary um, drinks or, and food within one hour of the event. Aim to drink about 20 ounces of water one to two hours before exercise and an additional 10 to 15 ounces within 15 to 30 minutes of the event. Drink three to six ounces of water and or an electrolyte beverage every 10 to 20 minutes throughout the event. So here are some uh, good examples. Uh, about four hours before, we wanna have our carbohydrates between 60 to 70%. So here are some examples, pasta with rice and veggies, a leaner protein, really, really try to reduce anything fried, um, high in fat. Um, about three hours before, 70 to 75% of our, of our um, food should be um, carbohydrate. So we'd want this to be a smaller meal, something like a, a quick sandwich, um, nuts and seeds, um, two hours before about 70 to 80% should be carbohydrates. So something quick like fruit, um, low in fat, um, cereal, something like that. Um, in one hour before the event, about 85 to 100% um, should be carbohydrate. And this should be something that can be very easily and quickly digested. So, um, more of a refined, like a white carbohydrate, um, something you know, preferably that you can, uh, if not shoot easily, like a soft bread, um, maybe like a liquid, if you were to blend something up in like a smoothie or something like that. Um, and if not, you wanna really, really, really make sure you're thoroughly chewing your food. So carbohydrate loading, I'm sure you guys have heard of this before. So to avoid running out of carbohydrate during your event, some athletes, would load their muscles with glycogen by eating extra carbohydrate and exercise to energy depletion days before the event. And you could do that with these steps. You would exercise to muscle fatigue. Uh, you want your workout to be identical to the upcoming event to deplete the right muscles. So very similar to the sporting event that you would be doing. Um, again, this is anywhere between three to five days. Um, eat, uh, number two, eat a high carbohydrate diet, 70 to 80% carbohydrates, um, about 10 to 15% protein and about 10 to 15% fat. And you would do little or no exercise for about three days before the event and really just get the, those glycogen stores there ready to go. So race day nerves, uh, intense exercise diverts blood flow from the stomach to the working muscles, which can really interfere with digestion. And this can lead to a lot of bloating, cramping, and nausea um, that we experience during um, a sporting event. I'm sure all of you here have experienced something like that before. So the following here can help offset some of these common GI problems. You wanna choose your pre-workout foods carefully. 
um, limit the, the amount of fiber and spicy foods and again, heavy fats that you're having right before um, an event. If you're choosing a protein, we want a leaner one. Um, allow time in between eating and exercise. And you wanna experiment with uh, the window and, and also the, what foods work best for you. Um, that brings us to, you wanna eat familiar foods that you know won't upset your stomach. Um, you know, like low fiber cereals, um, a low fat or, or reduced fat milk, something like, um, uh, again, more white bagel or bread or a piece of fruit. Um, you wanna stick to small portions of something that's easy to digest. Again, um, like a soft bread, pasta, rice. Um, again, having a um, maybe more nutrient dense, like a, um, a brown rice could be harder to digest than a white. Um, liquid meals are generally well tolerated and empty the gut quicker than solid foods. Um, again, so maybe if you blended um, some fruit together, had like a smoothie with a low fat milk um, or another type of dairy. Um, and sports drinks are also uh, well tolerated, especially right before a training event. So it's there's no harm in having um, some Gatorade or something like that for its carbohydrate content and also the electrolytes as well. So it's really important to actually train your gut. Um, and just as you would train for your event, um, you would want we should train our guts to really best absorb and deliver the fuel that we're feeding it so we can perform our best. Um, so it's actually important that we practice these strategies during training. If we're waiting until race day to try to carbohydrate fuel, um, it doesn't really give our gut the enough time or, or the capacity to absorb all that nutrition and we'll risk um, GI problems. So it's important to one, experiment with yourself, um, and, and two, you know, really ease into it, um, give yourself some time, um, and stick with the foods that you know you do well with. Um, and this figure here outlines the, uh, the methods to do so. Post-competition nutrition. So, we want to make sure to replenish um, our bodies after a workout or a sporting event with water and a small snack pretty much immediately. So between 10 to 30 minutes right after. Um, we want to eat a proper meal, so a well-balanced meal within one to two hours of our workouts because this will really help our muscles recover. Let's get the nutrition in quick and then let's sit down for um, a meal a couple hours later. We wanna hydrate again during and after, um, especially if we're sweating excessively um, or our workout is lasting more than one hour. We definitely wanna consider having an electrolyte beverage or supplement as well. Um, Water-rich fruit is a great way to hydrate. Um, you know, Real whole foods that are not processed actually do contain a good amount of water. So right after a workout, if you're having a, your small snack between 10 to 30 minutes, an apple, for example, would be a great idea. We can get the good nutrition, a nice snack in, and also get some water as well. We wanna aim to consume um, a three to one ratio of carbs to protein for our post-workout meal. So this could be like 40 grams um, of protein and maybe 120 grams of carbohydrate. 
but we don't want to ignore fat because like we learned earlier, fat does provide a ton of nutrition and helps us really um, digest and absorb um, certain vitamins and minerals. So we want to include that as well. Um, perhaps in like a moderate amount, but the other days after your workout, absolutely, you know, keep fat, um, you know, part of your diet as well. Most importantly, we want to choose nutrient density. We want the most bang for our buck. Post-workout, we have to replenish um, our muscles. We want to really make sure we're getting that nutrition in our system. So vitamins, minerals, all of those things. The most bang for our buck means it's not a ton of calories. It's probably not coming with um, sugar or refined foods or funny um, ingredients or chemicals um, on the labels, especially if it's something that we can't pronounce. So um, we wanna to stick to real whole foods, uh, limited amount of ingredients. If, we, if, they're, if you do see the ingredients on the back of a package, um, lower calorie and a lot of nutrition, a lot of vitamins and minerals. So um, I think it helps to remember, um, remember it this way, refuel, rehydrate and rebuild. So to refuel um, carbohydrate rich foods will help replace your glycogen stores for your next training session, rehydrate, um, definitely replace the sweat that you lost. Um, also include um, snacks as well. That could be a good source of um, nutrition and water and rebuild. So repairing muscle tissue is an important part of recovery. Um, it's generally recommended that we get about, or at least 20 grams of protein, um, which says here within 30 minutes, I kind of like the 10 to 30 minute um, window. So at least 20 grams between that 10 to 30 minute window post-workout. So that brings us to the next slide. Protein for recovery, so important. Um, so protein, um, we learned earlier, it, they are, um, they're an essential macronutrient. Um, they are the building blocks, um, proteins, I'm sorry, are made from the building blocks called amino acids. Um, some protein our bodies can make, there are nine essential amino acids that must be acquired from the diet. A complete protein source would contain all nine of those amino acids. So a complete protein source would be found in um, largely animal-based protein. So they contain all the amino acids that our body cannot make that we must get from food. That's not to say that um, a vegetarian or a plant-based protein source would not contain um, the essential amino acids, but it wouldn't contain all nine. Um, we can still get all nine by eating plant-based and uh, vegetarian-based protein sources, but we'd have to include a large variety in order to get um, all nine. So it does help to eat an animal protein. Um, you've, you might have seen um, maybe on like protein powders or other supplements that say BCAAs. So these are the branch chained amino acids. Um, these are actually three of the nine uh, essential amino acids. So um, all nine, again, are really important for recovery. We do want all nine. Um, the reason why these are promoted often on a lot of packaging is because these three of the nine are kind of like the king aminos when it comes to like recovery. So, um, you know, if you really want to make sure you're getting um, your money's worth of, of um, a protein powder or some other type of supplement, you would, you might want to compare all the aminos on there. 
um, and check out the branch chain and see if those are the highest ones. Leucine, isoleucine, and valine are the um, branch chain ones. Um, so I think that's a nice way to kind of make sure you're getting um, your money's worth. Um, but otherwise, I think including all nine essential aminos is a great strategy post-workout. So this chart helps uh, represent how much protein we would want. Um, I would recommend to aim between the medium and typical that's here. So that's about one gram per pound of ideal body weight or just under that, so slightly under that. Again, we wanna to aim to consume a three to one ratio of carbs to protein for your post-workout meal. And here are some examples. Um, if we have some time to prepare, grilled chicken salad is always great. Um, salmon and brown rice, as you remember earlier, I mentioned the white rice because it's easier to digest. Certainly um, post-workout, we wanna get, uh, we can get a more complex carbohydrate in there, good source of protein. Um, something quick on the go, we can choose a Greek yogurt, which is higher in protein. Um, and a piece of fruit, um, orange, and a handful of nuts, something like that. So protein timing and recovery. Um, protein distribution is really important. So we do wanna spread it out. Um, typically in one sitting, depending on your size, you a bigger person can probably not digest and absorb more than like 40 grams of protein in one sitting. So kind of keep that in mind. Don't try to have all your protein for one day at once. Um, spread it out. Again, 40 being on the higher range, 40 grams. Um, the physi physiological need dictates protein um, at every meal. So again, depending on the um, intensity um, and duration of your workouts and your goals. So whey and casein protein, you might have seen these as well. Um, these are two really good proteins when it comes to um, replenishing uh, your muscle. So um, we, these, are, these two proteins are actually um, the derivatives of milk. So milk is made up of whey and casein, all milk from, from all different species. Um, whey, when it's standalone, when it's just whey, enters our bloodstream much more rapidly than casein does. So if we're going to have a protein shake or, or some type of protein powder to blend with whatever, um, post-workout, I would recommend a whey. Um, you know, if you are looking for a whey uh, protein powder, I would recommend one. If you just want whey, it should say 100% whey. Um, you know, nothing else added unless that's something that you want. Um, I, the casein, we digest a lot slower. So also a great protein to aid in recovery, but we just, um, we just digest it slower. So I would recommend not having this post-workout. I would recommend having this maybe later on at night, um, you know, right before bed, something like that, because it wouldn't impede fat burning because it, we digest it much slower. So again, um, you know, read the labels if you want to get these protein supplements, uh, assuming you tolerate dairy well, because again, these are dairy based. I think these are probably the two most um, gold standard proteins to, to get. And carbohydrate and protein um, combined are, are really optimal for repair. So 
again, a really tough workout. We definitely want to get, um, you know, that protein in our systems again, between that 10 to 30 minute, um, window. I really like whey if we tolerate it well. Um, I would recommend getting a bit of a carbohydrate in too. So, um, Again, if you're blending it with like a piece of fruit, a banana or some other things, um, that's a great way to get some carbohydrate or you can, you know, have a, a shake with some almond milk or water and have, you know, a piece of fruit or a sandwich or something on the side, because it is a good idea to have a bit of the carbohydrate. It will, it will produce um, like an insulin response and help us really um, absorb all that nutrition that we really need from the, the protein. So factors influencing anabolism, that is protein building um, compared to catabolism, which is like the breakdown. Um, so anabolism is very important to aid in uh, like decrease recovery time and increase athletic gains. Um, adequate calories, uh, total caloric intake must be adequate to make use for protein for anabolism rather than uh, energy production. So it's, it's really not just protein, but it's total calories too. Uh, recovery, adequate rest and downtime, super important. Stress, these hormones play an enormous role in, in catabolism and, and we don't want that to affect our gains. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into stress and sleeping in a little bit, but it's really important to, to remember this. So we can be stressed both mentally and physically. You can overdo your exercise just as much as you can overdo your, your mental stress. So, um, we really want to remember this because, you know, we think we do more exercise and it should only help our gains, but not necessarily. And emphasize both eccentric and concentric, um, training to promote, uh, anabolism. So um, some of the most common challenges that um, student athletes um, face today are, are these here, um, fearful of weight gain, um, maybe um, follow a calorie restriction, mindless eating on fast food, low nutrient dense snacks, um, overuse and reliance of supplements um, over real food, and insufficient rest and recovery time. So negative impacts to an athlete's sports performance. These seem to be what I've seen as the two biggest negative impacts um, for collegiate athletes that, that they deal with today. Inconsistent and limited fueling options and poor recovery patterns. So inconsistent and limited fueling options, um, poor food choices, skipping meals, not planning ahead, this could be grabbing snacks in the vending machine, skipping breakfast, um, and not, you know, planning your, um, your lunches, your dinners, the snacks that you have, which could be easy. Some of them you can just, you know, a healthy apple you can just take with you instead of, you know, choosing something at the vending machine. So in my experience with collegiate athletes, I, I've seen a lot of emphasis on, on weight management goals. Um, and, you know, unfortunately we can't look at this at this, the same way as um, performance. Um, so we really do want to um, eat to match the output that we're giving with our sport. Um, 
so the, the calories that we're feeding us, you know, you know, are really for performance and, and not for weight management. We really don't want to look at weight management and, um, you know, training for, um, an event or like a marathon the same way they're there. They should be looked at separately. So, uh, uh, the other negative impacts to performance is really poor recovery patterns. Um, and this is often due to inadequate sleep and distractions. So please sleep, guys. <laughs> um, you know, I really can't stress that enough. Um, most adults need a minimum of seven hours to um, just function regularly. Um, I would argue that the more intense and challenging your exercises, you need much more than that. So if you wake up not rested with seven hours, then you need more. That's one way to know. Um, and, you know, we want to listen <clears throat> to our bodies and understand its need for fuel, rest, hunger, satiety, all of these things. We're not really truly able to um, understand these signals if we are not sleeping appropriately. Um, we want to evaluate the, the role that stressors play on us. Again, this is both mentally and physically. Um, to improve our stress and, and you know, sleep quality, um, it really helps to reduce our exposure to blue light late at night. So that is the light that we know, you know, on the on the phones, computers, TVs, but it's also just the light on at home. So any exposure to blue light does um, affect our, our sleep quality. So it's the quality and the quantity that matters. Um, and you know, again, if you are, um, you know, not sleeping, if you are sleeping seven hours and not feeling well rested, you likely need more, but work on these ways to reduce the blue light, reduce your stressors, reduce screen time, um, before, you know, before bed and work on your sleep hygiene practice. Um, and that's one way to really start getting in tune with listening to your body and evaluating the role of, um, that these stressors can play, understanding the, the mind body connection. So is your exercise too much? Um, is your mental stress too much? And are you eating right to support it? So uh, in summary, here we are already, wow. You know, nutrition plays a really essential role in sports. Um, that's why it's actually often referred to as um, invisible training. <laughs> and the nutritional practices of athletes are multifactorial. So it depends on the habits, culture, and nutritional knowledge of, of the athlete. You want to do the work um, to, um, you know, speak up, you know, say something about your, to your coaches or, or whoever and, and say, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I want to learn more about this, what's going to help me feel my best, really fuel uh, my performance, um, how, what will help me, you know, improve my sleep quality, uh, my stressors. Uh, what will help me recover from, from my workouts and really um, reduce um, DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness? What will help me you know, get to that place where I feel recovered from my workout quickly? And ultimately, it is the responsibility of the athlete to plan ahead, make the necessary adjustments, and, and fuel your body with the appropriate nutrition. That is all for today. 
thank you all so much for having me. If you have any questions, let me see. I don't know if I saw any come in. Yeah, there's a few in the chat here, Katie. Okay. One of, do you want me to just run through them? With yeah, you? sure. Okay. Um, so can you touch on genetically modified fats and kind of explain, you know, what role that has as far as nutritional needs and, and the difference between them and, and other types of fats? Sure. So genetically modified fats are the same thing as like genetically modified anything out there. It's, it's a processed food. It's created in the lab. So certainly anything that says like a hydrogenated oil um, or something like that um, is, is a genetically uh, created fat. So those are trans fats just with a different name. Definitely we want, you know, you know, they should be avoided. Hey, look, you have to live a little sometimes it's in something. Um, but I think, you know, compare and contrast and, and try to choose one that would not contain that. Um, and then you had touched on carbo loading. Um, is, are there any consequences of, of too many carbs for a high endurance sport? Consequences of too many carbs. I mean, you know, you want to eat to satiety. So I think that's where, um, you know, carb loading for a couple of days is helpful versus um, like one day it really depends on the sport, like how long you'd want to do it. So is there, is there harm in too much? Not necessarily if you're eating to uh, satiety. Um, you know, I think eating to satiety might not give you enough carbohydrate if you're doing it for one day, if, if that makes sense. I think that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, and then kind of going back on the, the trans fats, um, do you have any tips on how to avoid trans fats, processed foods, Anything that, you know, we really shouldn't be putting in our bodies? Yeah, definitely. So uh, read nutrition labels, read ingredient lists. Um, ingredient lists might be even more important than the nutrition label because it tells you, um, you know, where that protein and the carbohydrate and the fat and the calories and all those things are actually coming from. You know, I think we're, we're told to read the, the nutrition labels when in fact, you know, we have, you know, 20 grams of protein, but what type, where is it coming from? Like that, that I think matters much more. <clears throat> so read the ingredient lists. They are written in descending order, meaning the very first ingredient in there is the highest and the last is the lowest. So certainly if any of them say um, hydrogenated oil, something we can't pronounce, it's likely a weird chemical, they're best avoided. Um, also good rule of thumb, the fewer ingredients, probably the better. Um, you know, if it's a real whole food, like an apple, for example, it probably, um, doesn't have a nutrition label. It doesn't need to explain itself. <laughs> um, and kind of on that, you know, some people have said when you go grocery shopping to stay, you know, on the outside of the store and avoid the aisles. Um, is that something that you think is, is beneficial, something people should stick to, or is that kind of a yeah. Shop the shopping, the perimeter of the grocery store. I do. I think that that's a, also a good rule of thumb. Um, but also just don't shop at eye level. So go down the other aisles, but just don't shop at eye level, look up and down. Um, you know, it might take more time, but I think it's, it's, you know, a really good way to ensure that we are getting, um, the, the, the most nutrition possible. Um, you know, they're, they're there. So we just have to look for them. And really, I think when it comes to, you know, what we want to look for in terms of grams and percentages of, of like the macronutrients or the micronutrients, compare and contrast. So, yeah.
Um, and one last question on here. Um, can oxidative stress affect sports performance? And is there a food group that would help with that stress um, or supplement specifically? Can oxidative stress affect sports performance? Yeah. Um, can you elaborate? <laughs> Carrie? Um, Hold on, I'm getting there. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a big biohacker and stuff. So like, um, I know just like with the times and stuff, um, you know, everyone's stressed out. There's so much work. And I'm talking about mm -hmm. this, not even just from, um, you know, athletics, you know, our athletes. I'm talking about even because we have a lot of staff on here too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is there something that, you know, like kind of like a feel good food, feel mm -hmm. good supplement, you know, whatever. I mean, I know you yeah. A lot of people, they'll go to the doctor, they'll be like, oh, well, the doctor put me on vitamin D. <laughs> I know more people that are on vitamin D right now. You yeah. Know? And so, I mean, I take a supplement, like I said, I'm a biohacker. So I take a supplement that I feel saved my life. Okay. You know, I want something that, you know, I'm, you know, that these people can have that's going to save their life now, because again, stress from the students, they're not having, really? athlete, uh, they're not having sports right now. You know, they want to work out, but they don't feel like working out, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, chronic, um, you know, oxidative damage to, to your, your entire system is, is really like, it, it, it's happening, you know, and unfortunately people mm -hmm. don't talk about this enough. Um, it's really an, an inflammatory response. So I would certainly recommend like reducing any type of like artificially created or processed food um, in general to, hype, to, to help with any inflammatory response. If you do think that this might be you, um, you know, perhaps you are, you, you're taxing your adrenal system a bit too much. Um, so this might be another topic that we could go over one day. Um, but I, again, I do really think that, that, that is that mind body connection. So the adrenal system is, is being taxed. I mean, you know, nowadays all the time for, for many of us, mm -hmm. it's these right. chronic stressors. Also, if you get any labs done, um, if you can check out your lab value, see your C-reactive protein, that is an inflammatory um, lab marker, um, which usually indicates um, a lot of oxidative stress. So um, I think in general to, to reduce that, reduce stressors mentally and physically, um, eat real foods, eat foods you do well with. Unfortunately, there are a ton of foods out there that are very healthy that people just don't do well with. So listen to your body, mm -hmm. you know, do eggs work for you? Maybe they don't, you know, that's one of those foods where I think it's great. I think there's a ton of nutrition. I think we should all eat it, but not everyone is doing well with it. Um, and that's the thing too. People should experiment with foods too, because like for me, I'm not like, maybe I don't like scrambled eggs or fried eggs, but I love hard boiled eggs. Totally. You know, like, and, and same thing with like spinach, they might not like, you know, fresh spinach, but they might like sauteed spinach, you know, Absolutely. like you have to experiment, you know, definitely. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, part of being an adult, which I think in college, you're really starting to, you know, feel like that. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. You know, we, we gotta, we gotta like try new foods and we have to be willing to experiment mm -hmm. and, you know, try new things and, and get nutrition. I mean, the most ideal um, optimal diet would be a really large variety of, you know, good quality organic grass-fed animal protein, a really large variety of fruits and vegetables, probably not realistic, right? <laughs> um, but that's why it's a great idea to, you know, switch it up when we can. Um, look for good quality, look for real foods. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome.
Um, I think that is it, unless anybody else has any, any questions they'd like to, to ask. I just have a comment. Uh, I guess tonight when I go shopping at the supermarket, <laughs> I got to see this perimeter versus aisle thing that's going on. I, I don't know anything about it. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, Brittany, thank you for bringing that up. So yeah, so shop the perimeter of the grocery store. That's a good way to kind of avoid the packaged uh, boxed foods. Um, but if you do go down those aisles um, or just in general, don't shop um, at eye level. Hmm. Nevis, look for that pasta that's sitting on top of the ceiling. You know? <laughs> yeah, I guess and so. grab that for a special event. <laughs> and make sure you ask for help and don't try to reach for it yourself. <laughs> Caitlin, I have uh, not so much a question, but a comment. Um, good information, so thank you. Um, You're welcome. I, I attended programs like this in the past. And uh, before I had anything like this, I remember coaching a D2 program and uh, just to try and keep it short, the, uh, we played a tournament on a hot day in September and the next day in the finals, the girls looked like their death warmed over. I mean, they were trying so hard, but just couldn't move. Mm -hmm. And then sometime after that, I attended a clinic with sports nutrition and hydration. And that's when I started paying more attention to this, being exposed to it. Mm -hmm. And what we did is made sure that like at least an hour before you played, you had the sports drink. You sat down for at least an hour as a team and you had your, like your turkey sandwich or something like that before you competed. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you got off the court, make sure that we had a sports drink to get the electrolytes back and have a peanut butter sandwich. I used to actually make the peanut butter sandwiches, you know, and I know there's the allergy thing you got to worry about, but I would right. actually go to the store, buy the loaf of bread, jar of peanut butter, and as soon as I came off the court, hey, stretch it, here's your peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. And I seen a big difference in recovery and just, you didn't always win, but I seen a big difference in that. Totally. And I mean, you can see it on the athlete, you know, when they come out and they're completely depleted, you're like, oh no. You can tell. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, since I was exposed to that, that's why I've been telling the athletes and hoping, you know, now at Baruch that they could take those steps, not just have a bagel, make sure you have something good before you compete yeah. and have the recovery as well. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, if, if that is it, I um, want to thank you, Katie, so much for this presentation. Um, it was great. We've got a lot of good feedback in the chat um, if you have a chance to read it. Um, and thank you, everybody, for coming. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, everyone. Take care. Take care. Great job. Thank you. Thanks for visiting the Brew College Athletics Podcast. To listen to this podcast, you can find it on Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, to name the few and don't forget also to visit our athletic website, brookathletics.com. This has been a presentation of the Brook College Sports Information Department.